Vincent. I know most of y'all in here. But I've lived in Bloomfield a little over a year and a half now, me and my wife, Adrian, and just want to say thank you. We love this community. We love this church and, and thankful to be a part of it. I'm a intern here uh, at the church, Bloomfield Baptist Church, and have the opportunity to preach. So thankful to Pastor Richard for giving me the opportunity to preach uh, this morning. You can go ahead and flip in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 is where we're going to be. The Great Commission, verses 16 through 20. So, as you know, um, our, our Poland teen camp mission team just got back on Friday. And currently, right now, our Poland VBS team is in Poland right now. So, uh, we've got a team of people, over a dozen, that are in Poland right now doing mission work. So we can, so be praying for them this week that they would be pray for their safety and pray that their work would bear fruit this week. Be thankful. Hey, you're a part of a missions sending church. You're a part of a church that's serious about the Great Commission. Currently, we have partnerships in four places. Early, earlier this spring in April, a team went to uh, Niger, which is in northwest Africa. And Pastor Richard was on that team. Uh, we, like, this, like I said, this summer we have two teams that have gone to Poland. One there now. Last fall we, we sent a team to New York City, which many refer to as the melting pot of the world. And then um, this December we're sending another team to Taipei, which is the capital of Taiwan. So this church, Bloomfield Baptist Church, is not only committed to making disciples here in Nelson County, but in places all over the world on, on many different continents. Okay? So what, we, what we're going to do this morning in Matthew 28, I want to answer this question, why do we do this? Why do we do global missions? Why do we take so much time and use so many resources and send people and spend this money? Why, why do we do this? And hopefully what I want, what I want you all to see this morning, and what I want us to come away with is more urgency and, uh, and for us to see the importance of it, that this is a valuable use of our time and our resources, and that we're commanded to be making disciples of all nations. It's not an option. It's something we have to be committed to. So if you would, uh, you can please stand if you're able for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. God's Word says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you came to this earth and you lived for us a perfect life and you died for us to pay for our sin, that you rose from the dead. And not only that, but that you then have commissioned us, you've given us a purpose in life to glorify you and all the earth. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning that we would be serious about this that we wouldn't ignore what you've commanded us to do. Lord, 
Lord, please speak through me this morning. Lord, just use my mouth to, to speak to your people in this room this morning. Prepare our hearts to hear your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So, so again, we're focusing this morning on global missions. Look at verse 19. He says, make disciples of what? Of all nations. All nations. However, before some, before some of us check out this morning, I don't want y'all to hear this and think, oh, global missions. I'm not really called to be a missionary, so I can, I'll just stop listening and start thinking about what am I going to eat for lunch this afternoon. I want to be clear, the Great Commission applies to you, to every single Christian in this room, it applies to you. To you. You might say, well, David, what, why, do we, I, why do we do, why do we send these teams? Why do we go to different countries? I mean, I've got neighbors. I've got people across the street who, who don't believe in Jesus Christ. Why do we go to other countries? I'd say, well, amen to that. I'm glad you're aware of that. So what are you doing about it? Are you sharing Christ with them? Have you invited them to church? Have you shared the hope that you have in Christ? You're in a position to do something about it. God has put you in a certain place and a certain time, and he's put certain people in your life that you have the opportunity to reach that no one else in this room but you has the opportunity to reach this week. Okay? So in this passage, the primary verb, the primary command, I want to be clear, number one, is to make disciples. And the Great Commission, a lot of time we put the emphasis on go, but the, actually the primary command is to make disciples. So we're, we're to first be doing that here locally, but also of all nations, like Jesus says. Listen, Jesus bookended his, his ministry and his discipleship when he took men and he, he started to disciple them. He bookended this time with a call for them to make disciples. Think back to Matthew chapter 4. What did Jesus say? In Matthew 4, he said, come follow me and I will do what? I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't just say, come follow me. I'm going to clean your life up a little bit or I'm going to teach you a little something more. He said, no, I'm going to make you something. I'm going to make you effective for my kingdom. Then he spent a few years with them, teaching them, doing ministry alongside them. And now here he is at the end of his ministry. He's lived a perfect life. He's died. He's resurrected from the grave. He's about to ascend to heaven. And now the last thing he says to him, similar to the first thing, is go, now go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Some of you this morning, you might be bored with your faith you might be bored you might not see God moving in your life in, in a mighty way or in a significant way and I've, I've been there before and a lot of times it's because we're just focused on our own little world and we're not focused on making disciples for God's kingdom okay we, we have the tendency to tame Christianity to, to neuter it in a way but following Jesus is not simply about getting cleaned up, getting the dirt out of, your, out of your nails, and sitting in a pew for an hour once a week. Okay? Being a Christian, Jesus calls us out to something much greater than ourselves. He gives us a purpose. The gospel, not only are you forgiven and you're saved, but now you actually have a genuine eternal purpose in life, something that will outlast you into eternity if you focus during this time he's given us to make disciples here on earth. So this applies to everyone. Number two, not only making disciples applies to everyone, but the global mission of God applies to everyone in this room. 
Everyone has to be committed to making disciples of the nations, either as a sender or a goer. Either as a sender or a goer. There's no option. This, I heard someone say not long just, just this morning, this, this is called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission, so you have to play a part in it. A sender being someone who commits to prayer for missionaries and financial giving to support them, and a goer being someone who's willing to actually get on the airplane and go into some of these dark places in the world. Look at verse 17 in your Bibles. This is something really interesting I want to point out. It says, The eleven disciples, they followed him up onto the mountain, and when they worshipped him, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some did what? They doubted. Some doubted. And we're not talking about a random crowd of people. These are the 11 disciples. I mean, these are guys, these are the original 12 minus Judas who, who betrayed Jesus. These are 11 who, they saw Jesus preaching and teaching to great crowds. They saw Jesus healing the sick, cleansing lepers, raising people from the dead. They saw Jesus die. He died. He stopped breathing. His heart stopped beating. And he was put in a grave. And he was dead. And now Jesus is alive and they see him breathing. And they see the scars in his hands and his feet. And some of them doubted. So here we are 2,000 years removed from this event on the other side of the world. And there's some doubts in this room. Of course there are. That's okay. But, but don't let that cripple you from being effective in the kingdom of God. Don't let that stop you from making disciples of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, David, you don't, you don't know my weaknesses, my doubts, my sins. You're right, I don't, but Jesus knows. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. These men were ordinary men, fishermen, a lot of them, men like me and you, sinful men who've been forgiven and redeemed. And Jesus is saying, I see your doubts. Now go and make disciples of all nations. Which leads me to reason number one why we do missions. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So number one, we do missions because King Jesus said so. Because King Jesus said so. I remember as a kid, a lot of times my parents would ask me to do something. I'd say, well, why do I have to do that? They'd say, because I said so. I didn't like that. I couldn't stand it when they said that. But looking back on it now, I understand that was reason enough for me to do it. I was living in their house. They're paying the bills. They're feeding me. When they, they have authority over me. Okay, they were the authority in my life. When they said do it, I needed to do it. In the same way, Jesus is saying, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I have authority over the entire universe. So I'm telling you to do this. I'm telling you to make disciples. We have a problem with authority in our culture, don't we? Y'all see that? Children to parents, students to teachers. Any teachers in this room, y'all know? There's authority problem in the schools. The general culture to law enforcement and authority, there's just rebellion, and we don't like authority. This was a little easier for the disciples to understand. They were in a culture where they had kings and emperors and people who were just in charge. That's the way it was. But we need to understand when Jesus says, I have all authority, this is, seri this is serious. How many of you have a boss? 
Okay, you have an authority in your life when you show up to work. Not many of you, looks like. <laughs> when you show up to work, there's somebody who tells you what to do. I have two bosses right now who are staring at me. Pastor Richard, Jeff Lewis, they're staring at me right now. I got, when I show up, they tell me what to do, and I got to do it, okay, because they're, they're the authority in my life. So how many of you, when your boss says do something, you, need, you do it, right? You don't, unless it's just ridiculous, you don't ask me questions, you do it. They're the authority. Okay, so if you do something when your earthly boss, when your earthly authority tells you to do something, how much more should you do it when Jesus, the King of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, tells you to do something we should be a little more serious about doing? So number one, we do it because King Jesus said so. Listen to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 said, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, all the, all the nations, all the kingdoms of this world are going to look like a little toy Lego set compared to the kingdom of God. It says every knee will bow. President Trump, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, all these men that are powerful right now in the world, they're going to bow the knee to Jesus. And we all will, either, either joyfully in submission, saying, you're my Lord, or we'll be crippled to our knees just in the sight of his glory, unable to speak. We need to put in perspective who Jesus really is. So again, we must be committed to being a goer, a sender. I heard one, one missionary describe it like going down into the mine. Imagine a deep mine, a dark hole. We need to go down into it to harvest some resources. Okay, There's got to be somebody willing to go down into it into that dangerous place, and then there's got to be someone on the other end, up, up on ground level, supporting them, okay? There's, there's going to be people on both sides of the rope. So as a goer, you're on, on one side of the rope going down in, on, and as a sender, you're supporting them. But on both ends, you're going to have calluses on your hands from holding the rope. The Great Commission, either way, is going to cost you something. So what, what does this cost you? I, wa I want to encourage you this morning that you are a part of a Great Commission church. Again, let me run some numbers by you. I looked at our budget this week. I looked, I looked at our annual church profile from the Southern Baptist Commission and ran the numbers on how much we give each year to the cause of the Great Commission. Last year, we gave $49,667 to the cooperative program. That's a little over 10% of our budget. No matter what, half of that goes straight to the International Mission Board. International Mission Board being the Southern Baptist Convention's agency which sends thousands of missionaries all over the world. To Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, we gave an additional $16,365. To our local association mission giving, we gave $4,500. To mission trip teams that we send, like the Poland team that's there now, among others, we gave $30,285. So you, this brings a grand total. We gave last year over 100000 We gave $100,817. Uh, 
to the cause of, great, of the Great Commission. That's almost a quarter of our budget going to overseas missions. So be encouraged that if you faithfully attend, if you faithfully gather together and you work hard all week and a portion of that you give back to the Lord each week, if you're faithful to put money in the offering plate, I want to encourage you that through that you're being obedient to the Great Commission because you're helping be a sender. Just think, well, even what you put in the plate this morning, a portion of that every single week, a portion of that is going to support missionaries who are on the field right this very second, who are sharing the gospel with people who've never heard it before. So be encouraged. Be thankful you're a part of a church that's committed to that. This year at the Southern Baptist Convention's meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, David Platt, president of the International Mission Board right now, he said this, this is encouraging. He said, after many consecutive, consecutive years of reducing the number of missionaries on the field, that trend is officially reversed in 2017. He goes on to say, we will be able to increase the number of full-time missionaries on the field this year. So after the, the recession that hit in 2009, there was a number of years where where the number of missionaries on the field was cut back. That's not good because that's fewer people who are hearing the gospel, fewer churches that are being planted. But now, thanks to the giving from churches like you, we're now able to increase the number and we're sending more and more missionaries out. Okay, the second reason why we do missions, the second reason why we do missions, point two in your outline, we do missions for the glory of God and out of compassion for unbelievers. For the glory of God, and out of compassion for unbelievers. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what we're doing here is we're, we're baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit all over the world, and therefore they bear the name of the one true God. So that's bringing glory to God over all the earth, by people who now identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you something very important. I want to show you something that might change the way you view missions. The Great Commission here in Matthew 28 is unique in the sense that Jesus has given it, but in a way it's actually nothing new. The, the missions is not just a New Testament idea. It's not just a New Testament Idea. A lot of times we think about missions, we think about a few verses in the New Testament, but it's actually been the mission of God from the very beginning. Listen and stick with me. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2.14, God says, He promises that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Imagine a big ocean and the vastness of the waters, and the Lord promises the earth will be covered with my glory in that same way. Think back to Genesis chapter 1. In a way... Adam was given the Great Commission. What happened in Genesis 1? God created man and, his, and his, man and woman in his image. So, by being image bearers of God, they reflect the glory of God. And then what was Adam commanded? God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This, that verse isn't, that command's not just saying, hey, have kids, I want you to have some children. He's saying, no, your mission is, is you start in the Garden of Eden, but I want you to cover the whole earth with image bearers of God. So be fruitful and multiply and cover the earth with my image. As we know in Genesis 3, 
sin entered the world through the fall and Adam's rebellion against that authority. By Genesis chapter 9, the flood has come and now Noah's stepping off the ark. When Noah gets off the ark, God tells him the same thing. He says to Noah, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God's mission has remained the same. Then fast forward a, couple, a few chapters to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 12, God calls out a man named Abram, who he renamed Abraham that we know as Abraham. But Abram was just a pagan Gentile called out, and God said to him in verses 1 through 3, he says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. Listen, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham... Actually, if you think about it, was a missionary. God told him, you're going to have to leave where you are. You're going to have to go from your family and your place. And out of you, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Of course, he's talking about the nation of Israel. And through this nation, Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God's mission, when we look, when we read the Old Testament with Israel... It was a global mission. It wasn't about Israel winning wars and conquests and getting bigger just for their own sake. It was so that all these Gentile nations that worship false gods would come to know the one true God through the nation and the people of Israel. King David recognized this. Listen to his prayer in Psalm 67. He says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us. We pray that all the time, right? God bless me and my family. But David recognized why he needed the blessing. He says, so that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. And we see even in the lineage of Jesus, we see examples like Rahab and Ruth and other Gentiles, non-Israelites, who are even in the lineage of Christ who were saved by by coming into contact with the nation of Israel. So, So missions... Reaching the nations has, has been the mission of God, of God since the beginning, since Genesis 1. Think about the story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, God says to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. This is a great reminder to never run away from the call of God in your life, right? Jonah tried to flee from this command, and he ended up in the belly of a well, and he ended up going to Nineveh. And, and, and called out to them to repent, and they did, and that city was saved from God's wrath. If that's not missions, I don't know what is. He went to a foreign land, and the people repented. So missions has been happening from the beginning. Finally, look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. We have this beautiful picture of heaven where the angels are singing. It says they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll. They're praising Jesus. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God from every single tribe and language and people and nations. There's a reason they use four different words there to describe all the people being saved. It's not just people from every nation, but people in every little tribe and ethnic group and different language are going to be around us praising Jesus in heaven one day. So there's great encouragement for us to go on missions even to the remotest parts of the world, knowing that there's people there, if we're faithful to go, who will believe? They will. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. They're going to be there in heaven. I want you all to look at a map of the world. You can pull that up, Todd. 
Um, this is the current status of our progress in the Great Commission. You can see on the screen, there's green dots, there's orange dots, and there's red dots. The green dots represents people groups, areas in the world where, the God, where they've been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People like me and you. So you can see the United States is, is pretty green, like a Christmas tree, okay? We've, for the most part, of course, there's unbelievers here. It's not heaven. But when I drive to Louisville, I pass about 20 different churches on the way. Okay, we've praised the Lord. He's done a mighty work here. In South America, you can see South Africa, parts of Eastern Asia. Praise God. Look at the work that's been done in China. All the green there. Okay, so what you'll notice there, though, is a big block of orange in the middle. Okay, so right now there are 7.5 billion people in the world. 7.5 billion. Out of that 7.5 billion, there's about 16,829 people groups, meaning groups of people who have the same language and culture where the gospel can spread. 6,989 of those people groups are unreached right now with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is all research I found on the joshuaproject.com. Of the 7.5 billion people, 3.16 billion people are considered unreached. Okay, that's a little under half of the world's population is considered unreached. 3.16 billion out of 7.5. I want to give you all some perspective right now of the urgency we should have. Y'all see that big orange triangle to the east of Africa? That's, that's the nation of India. India has 1.3 billion people. 1.3 billion. Here, here in the United States, we have 325 million people. So what that means is that point three, that decimal point, of India's population is how many people we have. So India has as many people as we do in the United States, plus a billion, plus a billion. Of that 1.3 billion, 95% of them are considered unreached, mainly following Hinduism or Islam. That means 1.2 billion, pe billion people in India are unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. And, and other places in this area, the 1040 window is, is the area that's 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude in the world. Uh, you see that parts of North Africa, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, India. Uh, these are places that are the most unreached and also have some of the highest populations in the world. Okay, we need to have an urgency about taking the gospel to some of the darkest places in the world this leads me to reason number three it's found in the second half of point two in your outline we do missions out of compassion for unbelievers jesus says going and baptizing and teaching them teaching these people loving these people loving them enough to go and do something about it and teach them about the one true god what i'm about to what i'm about to teach about is an extremely difficult truth. I think the most difficult truth in, in all the Bible. Um, and, and it should break our hearts. And Scripture is very clear on this. We need to go out of compassion for unbelievers because 
apart from people receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, and repenting of their sins, there is no hope of salvation. There's no hope of salvation. You might say to me, well, David, I don't agree with that. My God would never do that. What about the innocent man in the, in the tribe in Africa? He, he would never go to hell. I'd say you're right. The problem is there is no innocent man in any remote part of the world. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Scripture says. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, the apostles proclaim, there's salvation and no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans chapter 10, Paul even recognizes this dilemma and he brings it up in verses 13 through 15. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. But he goes on to raise the question, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Let me be clear. Someone has to go to some of these dark unreached places in the world and we have to be committed to supporting those people because reality is if people don't receive the gospel of Jesus Christ they won't be saved you might say I still I just don't believe that well if it were true that, that people were just excused because God says well you've never heard so you're just excused and, you, and whoever has never heard is automatically going to go to heaven well number one Number one, that, that means what Jesus did on the cross was a waste and that he suffered in vain and he bled and, and died for no reason because people could go to heaven by some other way. And number two, if that's true, then that means that we should stop sending all missionaries immediately and that missions is the worst thing we could possibly do. Think about it. If there's people out there that haven't heard and we just say, well, they haven't heard, so they're, they're excused, then we should say, well, no one needs to go there because if we then preach Christ and then they reject Christ, well, that would put them in danger, right? But that's not true. And it's a heartbreaking truth. But it's something that should motivate us and it should be a fuel for the engine of missions, of supporting missionaries and going to these places. So we must go. I want you to look at verse 20. In Matthew chapter 28, this brings us to the final point that, that we can be encouraged to do missions. Be encouraged that God's mission will not fail because He is always with us wherever we go. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission. I cannot fulfill the Great Commission. It's impossible for us. But, Matthew 19, verse 26, with God, all things are possible. That's why Jesus, before He gives the command, 
he grounds the command in his authority and says, because I have all authority, you must go and make disciples of all nations. Then he follows the command with encouragement, saying, now go and know that I'm always going to be with you to the end of the age. And he, he, he does this mainly through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that you and I, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God and the power of God indwelling you. And He wants to use you to be effective for making disciples of all nations. So I want to ask some questions this morning. I want you to look at your life to see how you're fulfilling the Great Commission in your life. Number one, locally. Who is someone in your life that you could share the gospel with? Someone that you see consistently maybe each week or each month. Someone that maybe it's family, friends, coworkers, neighbors. Who's someone that you probably have them on your mind right now? Who could you go and share the gospel with? Is, is there anyone in your life that you're discipling? Is there anyone in your life you're spending consistent time with, praying with them, reading the scriptures with them, holding them accountable for their sins, and then the same for you? Are you a parent this morning? Are you a parent? Are you, are you teaching your children about the Lord? Are you being obedient for your God-given responsibility as a parent that we see in Deuteronomy 6 and Ephesians chapter 6 to raise your children in the instruction of the Lord? And then globally, again, all of us are, are called to be a part of this globally. Number one, are, are you faithfully giving? Are you praying for missionaries? Most people... Most people are called to be senders. That most people are called to support financially those who will go. So are you faithfully given of your money so that people can go into these places? Are you taking the time to pray for them? Will you continue to pray that, that God would send more laborers into the harvest? And finally, it, I want to raise this question. Is God calling some of you in this room to be a missionary? Is God calling some of you to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Remember that missions, it's not our own mission that we allow God to be a part of, but it's God's mission that he invites us to be a part of. He's been accomplishing this for centuries, and he's going to keep doing it, and he's inviting you to be a part of it. This might be something that you've never considered, or considered in your whole life, and you think, ah, I can't imagine going to another country and having to learn a new language and being a new culture but at least open your heart to it. Consider it. Consider the, the great commission, the command of Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so be willing to go if God calls you, but no matter what, be willing to pray and continue to give financially to support those who are going. And again, we can be encouraged of God's promises that there will be people in all of these people groups I just showed on the screen, in all of these unreached places, there's a guarantee we see in Revelation that they will be in heaven worshiping the Lord with us as we continue to be obedient and go. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would, we would take this command seriously, that we wouldn't just ignore it and, and we look at some of these numbers and statistics, that we wouldn't just ignore it and, and continue to live our own lives as if it doesn't matter. But God, that we, we would be obedient to pray and to give and to go in order to fulfill the Great Commission. Lord, I thank you that, 
we were once lost too and that you, you came to us. You came from heaven to earth to rescue us, to die on a cross and pay for our sins. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, if there's anyone in this room this morning, Lord, who doesn't know you, who's never turned to you and, and, and bowed the knee to you and confessed Christ as Lord over their lives, that they would do that this morning. Or I pray for, for those of us that are already saved, we would be more obedient to the Great Commission. Lord, I pray especially for young men in this room that you would continue to call people out to go into unreached places. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.